We're teaching this month on the concept of being blessed indeed. You know, God is God. He did not uh, uh, become God when you got saved. He was God long before you got saved, long before you decided to start coming to church. He was God. And His plan for your life is that you would have not just life, but you would have the abundant life. The abundant life means no lack in any area. That means that it's not God's will for your life to be sick. It's not God's will for your life to be uh, indebted uh, and over your, uh, up to your eyeballs and alligators when it comes to debt or anything like that. It's not His will for your life for you to have a, 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 a trial-filled marriage, a, a marriage that's filled with uh, frustration. That's not His will for your life at all. His will for your life is that you would be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed coming in and blessed going out. That your marriage would be blessed. That you you would experience God at a high level in every area of your life. And not just uh, on Sunday mornings. That, that, that God would literally, that you would sense His supernatural presence and be able to live with Him and for Him all the days of your life, 24 hours a day. He wants to fill up your dreams with, with dreams of your future. And He wants to give you visions. He wants to give you uh, a foresight of what your life is going to be like. He wants to bless your children. He wants to bless your grandchildren. But for whatever reason, sometimes we, we, we forget and we, we look at God like He's some kind of a, 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 a thumbs up or thumbs down kind of God where uh, for some people it's thumbs down and God's just dumping a bunch of nonsense on them. And then for some people it's thumbs up and God's blessing them more than they can deal with. And, and we try to figure it out. But the problem is if we look at God like that, we're looking at God all wrong. He's nothing like that. He, he's not on the fence in any area. He wants to bless you. He, he, he sent His Son that you might have a relationship with Him so that you wouldn't have to spend eternity in hell, but you could li- spend eternity in a place called heaven, which is far more blessed than the place called hell. He wants you blessed. God is, He is for you. He is not against you. The minute you said yes to Jesus and you accepted the, uh, the spotless blood sacrifice that was shed for you and for me, in that very moment, all the anger and frustration with your sin was turned away from you and you no longer are responsible for the debt that you owed. God is doing everything He can to bless you every single day of your life. And when the trials come, when the storms come it is him and him alone who stands strong there with you takes you by the hand and walks you out of that thing and makes it where you don't even smell like smoke from the fire you had to go through god wants to bless you he's 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 all about blessing you one of the primary points last week that we brought out was anything that's in your mind that tries to make it difficult for you to connect with god is a lie Anything in your mind or any thought that you have that tries to make it difficult for you to access the throne room of heaven is a falsity, it is a lie, and it is designed to keep you off track and questioning God instead of living a faith-filled life. So our job is to get that thought out of our mind. Last week I gave everybody a prayer card and the prayer card had numbers 6, 24 through 26 on it. And I asked everybody to pray this prayer, this blessing over yourself over your family and over your church every day this week. I ask you to pray that God would bless you and keep you, that He would make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, that He would lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. And to pray that same prayer over your family and that same prayer over your church. 
What happens is, is we've got to get to the place where we're believing God when we pray so that we can receive what in fact we have prayed for. But the problem is, there's poor doctrine out there, and there's, there's, there's rational ideas out there that make it sound like God is somehow looking at you and weighing you on a daily basis. He is not weighing you, He is weighing His Son, and because you are in Christ, that puts you in a position to ask your Father for something, like any child would ask their Father and expect their Father to do something kind and do something good for Him. So this is the scenario that we get in. We get to the place where we're trying to figure out, am I able to be blessed? Has God empowered me to be blessed? Why should I be able to be blessed? Is it wrong for me to ask God to bless me? Let's find out what the Scripture says. Luke chapter 11, verse number 5. This is right after uh, the disciples asked Jesus, hey, will you please teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to pray? And God, uh, the Lord teaches them uh, uh, how to pray the, the Lord's Prayer. Then right after that, in the same thought process, verse number 5 says this, And he said unto them, which is Jesus, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves? Well, number one, I want to look at one thing. At midnight. Isn't it interesting that you can be a Christian and still experience the midnight hour? Midnight is interesting. It doesn't get any darker than midnight. It's as far away from night as you can get, and it's as far away from morning as you can get. It's the in-between. It's when you're in a state of flux. You don't know what to do or how to do. And in that situation, you're going to find yourself needing something that you do not possess. And this is what Jesus is saying. So many times we see representations of midnight all through our Bible. The Bible says that the bridegroom comes uh, surprisingly at midnight. Paul and Silas found themselves bound with chains in prison at midnight. And their situation was very interesting. Instead of beginning to get, oh, woe is me and trying to figure out why am I in this place and how am I going to get out of this trial and what should I do? In the midnight hour when they were bound with stocks, they just decided, hey, Paul, hey, Silas, let's have a praise and worship session right here in the midnight of the prison when they did the bible says that the whole thing began to shake and the stocks fell off of their arms and their hands and every one of the prisoners that was around them was set free too it's the midnight hour that can be the most critical moment in your life jesus said who is it that goes to their friend's house at midnight who doesn't have what he needs Verse 6, he says, for a friend of mine's in his journey, meaning the friend goes over and says, hey, somebody's come to my house and I don't have anything that I can feed him. Verse 7, and he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is shut and my children are with me in the bed and I cannot rise and give you anything that you need. That was the Hallam house last night. Children in the bed at midnight. I woke up with a foot on my neck. And I was like, Crystal, get your foot off my neck. <laughs> Just kidding, wasn't Crystal. 
But it seems to me that it's always the midnight hour when we find out that we lack what it is that we need. So we go to the one who has the resources that we can access. But the problem is we get to the place where we have to remember who we're talking to and remember who we are in the situation too. Because if you just go to that house, if you just go to the one who has the resources and think that you're just somebody, then you may or may not be able able to get access but if you remember that you are the blood-bought christ redeemed holy spirit filled christian that jesus christ prayed for that means that the door that is shut to you means nothing because the bible says that jesus is the door he's the way the truth and the life so a door closed to you means absolutely diddly so he says to him He says, my kids are in bed with me. It's the middle of the night. I'm not getting up to do anything. And then verse 8 says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as he needs. Now, importunity is an interesting word. We don't use it today. But it literally means sheer perseverance. I remember when, when I was... I guess about 19 years old. And, and I went down to uh, Lamarck, Texas. And I, was, I walked into my uncle's house. And there was this beautiful blonde-headed girl sitting on a counter. And I walked in and I saw her and immediately straightened up, you know. And I went over and introduced myself. And she said, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. I've heard of you. I said, we've never met. She said, no. I said, oh, okay, because she was best friends with my cousin. And, and, and we began to uh, just have a, you know, a good 19-year-old conversation. You know, I was probably telling her, can, can you tell that, that I lift weights? Can you tell that? Because I do. I've got to take in a lot of protein to keep this thing going. And she was immediately impressed. Actually fainted. Which was amazing. So I picked her up, <laughs> carried her, passed out body. I'm going to get back to the true part. So I walked in, and I was trying to catch her attention, you know. I was like, Hello there. She says, Hi. We go upstairs to my uncle's house, and he had a pool table and a ping pong table. When it comes to pool, I don't remember the last time I was beat because I don't play it very often. (laughs) But when it comes to ping pong, that's a whole other can of worms. Mom and Dad got us a ping pong table when I was about five years old. They still have that ping pong table. Any of you who have ever been to that ping pong table probably have some bruises after playing me. But we were playing ping pong, me and this other guy, and Crystal and my cousin walk up and they're sitting over on this, this window seal love seat thing. And I'm literally Andre Agassi, uh, trying to impress her. I can tell she's not looking at me, so when I hit one and I think it's a good one, I'll hit it and then I see it goes in, I'll be like, ugh! And then I would look to see if she would look. And she was paying me no never mind, not even looking. And when I tell you I worked up a sweat, I'm talking about I was ringing with sweat. And after it was over, I probably beat everybody in the room. I walked over to Kristen and I was like, so, 
did you see me playing ping pong? And she goes, no. I said, huh, doggone it. So I go back to my town. The time was Beaumont. I was going to school there. And I called the church that she went to, which was my uncle's church. And I got her address from my aunt. <laughs> and I began to write her letters. And I began to call her. And I don't know if she just got tired of saying no or if it was my sheer persistence that did it. I ran off a bunch of Bible school students that were buzzing around her house like a bee to honey. Like literally ran them off. They would come over and say, oh, bless God. I said, bless nothing. You leave this girl alone. <laughs> I'd ask her later, I'd say, baby, have you seen that such and such guy lately? No, I hadn't seen him. I'd go, yes. I didn't have any boots on the ground, you know. Sooner or later, she agreed to go on a date with me. Took her on a date, real nice place called Pizza Hut. Super nice. We got a two-liter Dr. Pepper because they had a deal going, like $10. We went and sat on the back of a boat because a friend of mine owned a boat. We watched the boats go by. The rest is history. Now, I say all that joking, and I'm joking. That's probably 70% true. But the reality was, is when I saw her, a word that God had given me in my past came to life. A vision that God had shown me in my past immediately had a, had a manifestation right in front of my face. And she could have said anything she wanted to me. She could have ignored me. She could have done anything she wanted. But I was not going to give up on this one. Sheer perseverance oftentimes will take you where good looks will not. So many times in our lives, we begin... To go after God. And then we hit the midnight hour. We begin to push in towards the things of God. And we hit the midnight hour. I'm reminded of Noah. Whenever he was asked to build a boat. And everybody loves to sing about the animals that came in two by two. And the 40 days of storm. But it took him 100 years to build the boat. Sheer perseverance is what enabled Noah to put all the animals on the boat that God wanted on the boat. If he would have built a 50-year boat or a 20-year boat, maybe he could have put some of the animals on the boat, but he couldn't have put them all on the boat. Sheer perseverance is what changes your situation. Sheer perseverance is what caused Moses time and time again to go back to Pharaoh's palace and say, I'm telling you, you better let God's people go or everything's coming down on you. Pharaoh would sit there and look at him with an arrogant look of an expression that only a king who considered himself a god could carry and say, I'm not letting anybody go. And Moses would say, well, then I'll be back to tell you again. Number one, if you're taking notes, persistent prayer gets results. 
Persistent prayer gets results. This is why you see some people in the body of Christ that, 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 that it seems like they never have a bad day or it seems like their faith level never comes off of like a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10. Their faith level is here. It's not because they haven't experienced the midnight hour. It's because they've chosen through the midnight hour to maintain persistency when it comes to their prayer life with God. Jesus is asked specifically, how do we pray, Lord? He says, well, here's what you say. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he goes on and he teaches them how to pray, but then the next breath out of his mouth is he tells a parable so that they can understand it's never one and done when it comes to prayer. The difference between prayer and prayer with results is how efficient are you at being persistent. There's things in your life that you're believing God for and I'm believing God with you. And whether or not you receive it today, which would be a miracle, or you receive it next week, or you receive it ultimately when we're all dancing on streets of gold with Christ Jesus as the light of that city, if that's the day that you receive it, you have to get to the place where you say, I will receive from God. I'm believing today, but I know beyond a shadow of any doubt that I will receive ultimately if I don't experience it in this life. Persistency is what causes the head and the hand of God to turn in your direction, to raise off of the stool, to raise off of the rest of His throne and get immediately involved in your life. He says it's not because you're a friend. You see, the minute you say yes to Jesus, you're a friend of God. Israel Houghton sings that beautiful song, I'm a friend of God. You're a friend of God. He's no respecter of persons. But the Bible says here, it is not because He is His friend. It's because of His persistence that He'll rise and give Him everything that He needs. You're a friend of God, but when you got saved, was not the moment to kick your feet up. It's the moment to kick it in high gear. The moment you decide to be persistent with God and refuse to back off. Did you know there's things that I pray every day that I have been praying for over a decade that I haven't seen yet? But I am believing God. And when I sense my belief beginning to falter, I begin to remind myself of the things He's already done. And then I say, surely this God whom I serve and this God who has delivered me from everything that I was bound by, from the the fact that my life and my destination was a place separated from Him in an area called hell which was defined and and, and built for the the devils uh, and the demons that have left God, the angels who have uh, gone against God. See, hell was never meant for me and for you. It was meant for the one-third of heaven who rebelled against Him. But see, the minute that you uh, decide to reject Jesus, now you're on the wrong team. But the minute you get on the right team, now you have the opportunity to be in a position called blessed. But you and me have to get persistent when it comes to dealing with God. He's persistent with you. When's the last time He smarted off to you when you apologize? Never. When's the last time He made you feel terrible when you repented? Never. Thank God for Holy Spirit conviction, but He is not the God who condemns His own children. He's the one who reminds their children who they are in Christ Jesus that they may excel and exceed and press towards the mark for the high, for the prize of the high calling in Christ. 
There's a difference for living for God and not living for God, but it is a persistent prayer life which guarantees results. Verse 9, And I say unto you, this is still Jesus talking, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened and it will be opened unto you. For every one that asks receives, and every one that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. Verse 10 says, Every one. Everybody say, Every one. Everyone that seeks will find. Everyone that asks, the answer will get there. Everyone that knocks, the door will be open. Do not try to put yourself in some select few that God is trying to withhold heaven from you. You are the select few that God is trying to get heaven into your life. He changes everything, but persistent prayer life is the thing that accesses those resources. Everybody that asks, everybody that seeks, And everybody that knocks, everyone. Number two, when you pray, ask, seek, and knock. Ask that God would bless you. Ask that He would bless your children. Ask that you would see the manifested power of God in your life. Ask that arthritis would get out of your body immediately right now and stand in faith that it is done. Ask That He will go and send His ministering angels and turn the hearts of the people that you love to Christ that you may be able to live for God in this life with them and in eternity to come. Ask that God would do these things. Seek God. Wake up in the morning and let the things on your mouth be, Oh God, thank You for waking me up this morning. Thank You for blessing me again. Now God, I ask that Your Spirit would manifest itself in my life today. I ask that Your angels would encompass my car. I ask, Father, that You would give me the mind of Christ. I ask, Lord God, that you would bless me in the city. I ask, Lord God, that you would bless me in the field. I ask, Lord God, that while I'm at work, that your Holy Spirit would give me wisdom on the decisions that I ought to make. Father, I'm seeking you today while others go through their life and they don't give any uh, uh, reference to who you are and what you are. I am not them, Father. I am your child and I am seeking your face and I long for you to be in my life and I long to be in yours. Ask, seek, and knock. Knock and knock and knock and knock never stop i have persistent children y'all i mean i got persistent children if they want something they do not stop asking and i don't know about you but as a parent sometimes just sometimes you say yes just so they'll quit asking how much more so is our father in heaven Willing to bless those who will ask. If we who are evil, who are carnal, I'm not calling you evil, this is what Luke 11 says a few verses down. If us who are carnal know how to give good gifts, how much more so does our Father know how to bless us? Who will ask? Jesus' brother James, uh, chapter 4 and verse number 2 said this. He said, you have not because you asked not. You have not because you ask not. Luke, come up here real quick. I want you to... Y'all give Luke a hand. He wrote one of the Gospels. Not really. We're not sure he can spell. Stand right here. Back up a little bit. Now I want you to hold your hands just like that. Face the crowd, please. Say, give me some money. No. <laughs> okay. We're going to pretend that Luke has a tray full of cookies. And I don't know about you, 
but I love cookies. So, as I'm sitting here, I see Luke with a tray filled with cookies. And I'm staring at the tray filled with cookies, wishing I could have some of the cookies, but they belong to Luke, and I'm not the kind of person to steal. So I spend my day walking by and looking at them, and walking by and looking at them, and trying to figure out, I wonder if those are any good. I wonder if they're still warm. I wonder if they just came out of the oven. I wonder if anybody over here has got some milk that I can put with these cookies, because I love cookies. I wish I could have some of that, but they don't belong to me. And then I get a revelation. And I say, Luke, can I have a cookie? And immediately I get a cookie. You can be seated. Y'all give him a hand. It's stale, bro. Immediately I get a cookie. And can I say this? He had cookies the whole time. I just never asked. You see, God owns it all. The cattle on a thousand hills, all the silver and gold. He takes what we consider valuable and uses it as asphalt on the streets of heaven. He has everything. He lacks nothing. And the only thing that we tend to lack is the nerve, the obedience, or the persistence to ask. When you pray, ask, seek, and knock. Number three, pray knowing that you are His child. Pray knowing you're His child. You see, there's some people that want to bless others, but they can't. They don't have the resources. There's other people who do not want to bless others, and they can. So they have the resources to help somebody's life, but they choose not to. That's one group. Another group does not have the resources to help somebody's life, but they long to. That's people. God is not like either one. He's not only willing to bless you, but He's able. Jesus was approached by a guy with leprosy one time. And He says to Jesus, He says, If you will... If you're willing, if it's okay with you, if you'd like to, you can make me whole. Jesus said, don't ask me if I'm willing, because I am. And he healed him immediately. You you see, it's interesting with God how we we try to put him into some category uh, that's, that's like something else we already understand, but he's nothing like that at all. He has no limitation. He has no uh, poor motive. He has no reason to withhold from you. On the contrary, you are his child. And when I think about my little children that go from eight to three years old, they don't make any bones about it. If they want a snack, they ask for a snack. And they're not sitting there thinking, well, if I ask for a snack, then there won't be enough snack for my brother or my sister. Doesn't even cross their mind. 
Because when they look at dad, when they look at mom, when they look at their parents, they look and they see us as a limitless resource that they can pull from. But for whatever reason, when it comes to God, we look at him like there's one big pie up there. And if he gives us a piece, it's taking a piece from somebody else. Nonsense. When you pray, remember that you are his child and you have access, immediate access to the throne room of heaven where on that throne sits the God of the universe, the God of all creation that has no lack he has no weakness he has no limit in resource he has no limit in time he has no limit in space and the thing that you ask him for believe you'll receive it don't go through this life thinking that you're something less than a child of god i love it said like this if god said it about me i refused i refused to say anything less If he said that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, then I'd just agree. If he says that I am blessed in the city and blessed in the field, then I simply agree. If he says that I am bought with a price, then I am paid for. We bought some new curtains the other day. Go on the windows and all that stuff. I didn't call the store and ask them where I should put them. Because they're mine now. Excuse me. They're crystals now. You're bought with a price. The highest of all values. Because when it comes down to a transaction, it always comes down to this. It's not what you think you're worth, but it's what somebody is willing to pay for you. You see, I've seen several situations in real estate where somebody says, yeah, I've got this house, it's worth $300,000. And you would drive by and go, in what dream is it worth $300,000? Somebody offers them $200,000. And they say, I won't take that, but I'll take two twenty-five. dollars The person buying it says, okay, I'll give you $225,000. That house is worth $225,000, not three hundred. Many times in our lives we feel like we don't have value, but you are never called to put the value on yourself. You were called to agree with the value that He put on you. Last point. Can we all agree we need to pray more in 2015? Is that okay? Pray in faith. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. Jesus says this. Therefore, I say, let me read 23 first. For verily I say unto you that whatsoever... You shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Guard your tongue very closely. You will have what you say. You'll have what you say. I never get any good breaks. Change that. Yeah, I'm always last place. Change that. You're going to have what you say. Speak the Word of God into your life. But here's what I want to get to. 
Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, what you want, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you'll have them. When you pray, believe that you receive them. When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. Number four. Always, always, always pray in faith. When you pray, believe. Because when you believe that you receive, it's then that you have them. It's in that moment, it's in that time that you have them. Ushers, if you would, please pass out the cards. We have another prayer card that I'm going to get to in just a minute. Last week, I asked you to pray one simple prayer over yourself, your family, and your church. Now I'm going to ask you to continue that one and then add one more. So now your prayer life, just on what I'm asking you to do, is going from about a minute to about two minutes. Feel free to take off with it after that. But I'm asking that you would pray. That you would pray over yourself, your family, and your church. And pray in faith, believing that what you pray, you're going to receive. First Chronicles 4. First Chronicles is interesting. When I, when I was in college, I, I, got, I got kind of uh, uh, really serious. And I decided I was going to uh, write my own cliff notes on every chapter of the Bible. And it's all good through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel's, Kings, uh, Chronicles. But when you hit the Chronicles, man, it slows down a lot. When you're reading about Noah and the ark, when you're reading about uh, David and Goliath, when you're reading about King David, when you're reading about Samuel, when you're reading about all those miracles, when you're reading about the power of God, man, it, it, you're fired up about it. You can't wait to get to the next page. And then you hit First Chronicles, and it's like, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and every name is a name that you can't pronounce. And if you're not reading King James, it just says it like this. And so-and-so had so-and-so, and so-and-so had so-and-so, and so it's, it's the chronicles. It's the chronological order of people uh, in the, in the, in the uh, uh, kingdom of God in, in, uh, that served Jehovah God at that time. And everything's good. And you get done. And, and the whole thing, all the way to chapter 4, about halfway through chapter 4, it's just so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And then you get to chapter 4, and man, it just it, something just shifts. And the Bible says this in verse 9. It says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him in sorrow. Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Jabez was more honorable. So all these other people that we're reading about, the Bible slows down right here and stops all the begats and the so-and-so had so-and-so, and it just pauses for a minute and says, This guy you need to pay attention to. Verse 10 tells us why. Jabez called on God. He called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him what he requested. Isn't it interesting that a man prayed and God granted him what he requested? 
I'm asking you to take the card with you. Keep it in your pocket. Take two of them. If you don't have two, grab another one on the way out. Strategically give one away to somebody that you know needs to understand how much God loves them. And I'm asking you to pray this over yourself, over your family, and over your church. What if today was the day that God answered every prayer that you are persistently praying? What would you miss out on because you hadn't prayed? Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from all trouble and pain. Look at your children right in the face, your grandchildren, no matter how old they are. And think of how much you'd like to bless them. Now take that thought, multiply it times infinity, and that's how God looks at you. He's not slow. He's not weak. On the contrary, He's willing and able, but our persistency is what causes us to experience the hand of God in our life. I ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your head. If you're in the building today and you don't know God,